everyone. It is Dave and Jeff. It is February 24th, and I think we've waited four years for this to happen. I, I can't tell you seriously, Dave, how personally happy I am, how excited I am. And I, I mean that because as much if if anybody could look into the group text <laughs> that the three of us are on with Steve Woods, you wouldn't believe it. But but when I look at guys that you and I can look at and go, these these are family. These are guys that have been with us going back to day one. It's this guy, and it's an absolute shame that he's not on the air Monday through Friday, but he's got a brand new podcast, BAM. We're going to talk a lot about that, but what a blast to see a guy that's a brother to us, Louis Michael Costa. Hello, Mike. Oh, my God. It. Uh, <laughs> I got to pinch myself because, because how many times have either I've been asked, you've been asked, when are you getting Costa down there? When, right. are, you going, when are you going down there? Right. And it's like, well, you know, I, I there's there's some things in my life that I, I want to see come to fruition, and I, I just can't. Mainly keeping your job. Keeping my job, and, I, and it, you know, <laughs> keeping my marriage intact, and, and <laughs> keeping my uh, testicles affixed to my body. I, I just can't do it. And then when the obvious um, happened, not that, it, had I done it when I was still an extra, would we just sit here and bash no, extra of course for not. an hour and a half? No, it wouldn't happen. It's not going to happen tonight. But you guys approached, and I had my people look at some dates. <laughs> I know you had some. And, uh, yeah, and so Dave uh, reached out, and I said, let's – We da- sent the car. Damn it. Let's – yeah, you guys sent the car in your face, Ted Leitner. And we uh, – <laughs> and I'm here, and it is so great to be here with with you two. Um, and, and the history that we have and – the stories we can tell, the stories we can't tell. We, it's awesome. All right, Dave, this is where I have thought about this all day. I yeah. have thought about where do you want to start? Where do we go? Is it the bus trip? Is it Mary Tillman? Is there? <laughs> is it Lou Holtz? We'll tell all of these tonight. Is it J-Bowl and how you turned your back on Ryan Lindley? We'll get to that. <laughs> what a stiff. But the, this is a story that is my, maybe my personal favorite Mike story. This goes back to probably 2009. My ex-wife had her nails done by an incredible woman named Rocky. Rocky and her husband invite me and my wife at the time to dinner. Rocky's wife is Pete Costa, Mike's brother, younger brother. I swear to God, I knew this guy for five minutes and I'm crying. This guy is the funniest guy and he continues to be. Complete maniac, and he's telling me we're having a beer at his gorgeous house, and uh, he's telling me how he sang in a heavy metal band, and he starts telling me about Mike being his older brother. And this is the thing, because when you think of Mike today and you follow Mike on social media, and 90% of the time he's ripping somebody, and then he's showing you that he's fostering pups, this is the story that I said we're going to start. Pete said to me, Mike's nickname in high school was Chet. His nickname was Chet because anybody who loves weird science remembers how amazing Bill Paxton was in that role. And I said, Pete, there's absolutely no way. This guy is fearless. He's hysterical. Mike, how did Chet transform into the guy who is as funny and talented as you are today? Okay, so first off. Do you deny that? No, I don't. But I, I, I need to explain the circumstances. <laughs> Let me hear it. Uh, under which Chet metamorphosed or materialized. Do you guys curse on your of podcast? Occasionally, we fucking <laughs> okay. do. All right, all right. <laughs> Pete Costa, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> the, 
This is what happened. So he and I were renting a house from uh, one. Of, we were renting one of my dad's rental properties over in Normal Heights. Okay, how and, old are you at this point? Oh, shit, I'm probably uh, early twenties, maybe okay. mid twenties or something. He was saying this was more like high school when he would throw parties and that you well, would he, rat him out to his parents. Well, or your parents, my right. party. Okay, so I think he was a year out because okay. I, my parents would have never let him. Um, <laughs> Hindsight being twenty twenty, they probably wish he sure as hell would have gotten out of the house. <laughs> so we had this little house in back of a house, and it shared a joint courtyard. Mm-hmm. A little bungalow over in, in Normal Heights. And he would have these blowouts <laughs> in the front house, which was empty. Okay. And I mean blowouts. Right. Like the band, the band would probably be playing for like 15 minutes before the cops came and go, no, nah, we're shutting it down, boys. <laughs> <laughs> and there, yeah. There was, there was a plume, a continual plume of smoke coming out of every window and screen in that house. So I finally one day, I said, I've had it. I've got our bungalow, yeah. and people are spilling into it. Oh, no. I got people doing stuff in the bathroom and all sorts of shit like that. And so one day I went to Home Depot, and I got a bunch of lumber, and I built a fence. Oh, my and God. I, Jesus. <laughs> I built a fence that separated the two houses. And so Pete came home one night, and I did it the day that he was going to have another blowout. And there's this fence. Wow. Which, which drastically reduced the overall area in which one might have a party. Okay. And I sat there <laughs> on my little porch. Yeah. Sober as a, yeah. as a church mouse. Yeah. Just waiting. You're Just like, waiting for someone to try to vault the fence, come into my yard, come into my dojo, yeah. and they were going to get their asses fucking You're kicked. like Clint Eastwood in Gran Torino. Exactly what exactly In your early 20s. That's right. God, so, I love it. But, right. but it was the only way I could keep, <laughs> I could keep stuff from, uh, keep the neighbors from uh, you know, complaining sure. and things like that. And my dad's in the DA's office at the right. time. And I said, Pete, is there anything about growing a massive <laughs> weed garden out in the back alley? And dad, <laughs> dad being in the DA's office that, that you don't see lining up? Is no. there anything? No, no, nothing. What do you mean? He'll, he'll just think they're weeds. I go... It just kid was moron, totally. <laughs> but that's how I got the name of Chet, it. and then everybody just all of his friends called me Chet, and and still to this day, there's some of his buddies, longtime buddies from Saints that still call that's, me Chet. That I yeah. love it. Yeah. How did okay? So so jumping into this bus story, how did your brother end up jumping on the bus with us when we took a group of listeners to Peoria? <sighs> Worst trip ever. Right. Let me before We're, Mike tells this. Let's just set this up for people that don't know. We were all working at Extra 1360. Greatest morning show ever. <laughs> and the uh, promotions department, the great Sherry Tennis, who we all loved, said, guys, we got a great idea. We're going to have a San Diego bus pick us up on Saturday morning in the Extra parking lot. We're going to stop at Golden Acorn. We're going to have a fantastic lunch. And then we're all going to go. What? No. It was dynamite. $1.99 prime rib. Yep. And now we're all going to go out to Peoria. We yep. got tickets for the 5.30 game, which got rained out. And then we're going to see the 10.30 game the next day. And then we're going to take the bus home. Yes. <laughs> and we all went out. But Mike comes out with my new friend, rock and roller Pete Costa. Of all people, I know. how did Pete end up on this trip? I had the, I had the plus one. Yeah. And I said, 
listen, I, 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 in a moment of weakness, I called him and go, listen, you want to go to Peoria? <laughs> Just be at the uh, the radio station tomorrow morning, room and board, yeah. the, you know, whatever, the whole nine yards. And so he's like, yeah, yeah, sure, man, no problem, no problem. But I told him, I said, listen, I told everyone that I get really, really car sick easy. <laughs> and that's why I have to sit in the front of the bus. <laughs> Truth be told. <laughs> yeah. And so we're going to be sitting in the front. He's fucking, he goes, I don't care. He goes, can you drink on the bus and stuff? And I go, yeah, it's got yeah. a bathroom and whatnot. But that's how Pete ended up on the bus with us out to Peoria. Yeah. But while he was on the bus, he was making a reservation to fly home. Okay, so. <laughs> he knew immediately. He knew immediately he was in over his head. About an hour and a half into the trip, and he's all, dude, this this sucks because you know we've all been on those buses before Ugh. and everybody is i mean there's people walking faster than than yeah. you driving the bus so he was literally on his phone calling southwest so that when the sunday game was over he was trying to gauge okay how long is the game going to uh, take even if he didn't have to he yeah. could hop a cab to cuz there was an uber no to uh what's uh, sun harbor sun harbor yeah. From Peoria. Shit. Get on that plane. And he was, I want to say he was almost, he was home. Oh, he yeah. landed as we were getting on the bus when the game yeah. finally ended. Yeah. Yeah. All yeah. right. Now, the return trip is. Hold on. Wait a second. Before the return trip, the thing that made me laugh most about your brother. Dinner Saturday night. Dinner Saturday drinks night. Drinks on me. Yeah. Drinks on me. And <laughs> Telling to Rocky. Talking to his wife. I'm just took the guys out for dinner and drinks. And as he's saying it. <laughs> he's, he's snapping his fingers at yeah, us. Hitting us up for, for 20 you. bucks. Yeah. He's, take, he's taking cash <laughs> at that same moment. So when you think Costa, Mike, is the biggest <laughs> maniac in the family, with love and respect, you're second place. I, I, I'm so far second place, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Mr. High Roller, Mr. Hey, yeah. I got it. No, let me yeah. pick that give up. Give me that 20. Hey, give me that. Yeah, yeah, Pete, uh, you guys, yeah, dinner drinks are, on, uh, drinks are on me. Now, Christ. Now, Mike's biggest problem has been that he has been un- – Officially has let his guard down too often with me and Dave. Two guys that shockingly remember everything. Sure. And on the bus trip home, <laughs> it's the most iconic, one of the most iconic moments in our friendship. And I, we were all just pissed. It's a snowstorm. It's snowing. We have to work right, in the first, morning. It was a sandstorm. Remember the sand was first covering was, the highway. It was sand, and then we hit elevation. Yeah, it and the buses swing. Yeah. But Mike said to us the greatest line ever, and I, I just need your your full memory of this. Mike leaned into us somewhere about Yuma, and he said, hey, listen, I'm fucking done with these people. When we get to the parking lot, I'm not sticking around for photos. I'm not signing any autographs. I'm getting the fuck out of here. You two are on your own. And David, I fucking almost fell off. Mike, I've known you a long time. Dave's known you a long time. The one thing I didn't know is how often are you stopped for pictures? <laughs> because you, the bus pulls into extra. Mike flies off. It didn't. It didn't come to a complete stop. No. I'm a. Oh, hey, Homer, open the door. He's out. Yeah. And Dave and I go out, and I said. 
I'm like, we have to monitor this. And nobody said shit to us. <laughs> hey, guys, that was fun. Nobody stopped for one picture, one autograph. And, and Mike, Dave and I have fucking laughed about that, Mike. And you know it because we've busted your balls for 20 years. Time. But goddamn, do you remember that? I totally I remember. I remember jumping off the bus <laughs> with my backpack. And I use my door key. Yeah. I go in the front, yes. in the, that God. first door, sprint to the back door where my car was, yeah. jump in my car, and yeah. around the corner. Before people, everyone is even off the bus. I see Mike <laughs> yeah. just fucking drive out of the parking lot. I'm like, holy shit. Dude, when we're on the bus, though, and Mike's sitting across the aisle for me, and that that sand's going, and then the snow comes, and the bus driver's like, fuck it. We aren't getting stuck in the snow, so I'm just going to gun it. Remember, he's going like yeah. 110. <laughs> yeah. And I, I look over at Mike, and Mike sees what I see, that he's going 110, and Mike just mouths to me, we're all going to die. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, holy shit, dude. That was, that was fucking scary as that shit. That was uh. so freaking scary. And and I don't, know, I don't know about you, but when you guys were doing morning radio, and I, I certainly was the same way. Yeah. Um, when my bewitching hour was eight o'clock, always it's like okay, the hair on the back of my neck's getting right. prickly. I need to get to bed. Right, and it was to this day. Oh yeah, I'm an asshole on Sunday nights. Right, well Sunday through Thursday because you got to get to bed. Right, and because was, the clock's going in the your clock's head, Mike. In your head, like eight thirty is now right. seven and a half, Thank and you. nine is down to seven. Oh, you, and you're constantly doing the math. Yeah. Or whatever and, the number is. Yeah. Yeah. And Dave, I just remember thinking if we've got to get home at a reasonable hour right. because we all had to go back in the air the yeah. next day. And it was just I start getting really twitchy. And my and, and Meg hates it. My wife Meg, she goes, You're you're just such a dick. Yeah. You know, but I, I go, honey, you don't understand. It's the mental game. It is the mental game because if yeah. you I don't know, and we all we've all had the nights, certainly with kids you've had them, where you're like, okay. I, well, at least I got an hour and a half in, and you're just toast the rest of the day. Oh yeah. yeah. So so yeah. So that's that's one of the reasons that I was. That was, that was so Christ. crazy. That yeah. was. Oh, right, so yeah. I, I got a no pictures. Kind of going to jump around here because you said something that was interesting. Jeff and I, when we had the morning show, when you weren't there and you were doing afternoons, Jeff and I had to work on this template. We had to write it out, and a lot of times Jeff and I were working on this thing to eleven forty five at night. And then, we, so you talk about going to bed at eight. We weren't going to bed at eight no, because we no, had to write no. this thing out. So I'm yeah. like, we're looking at three hours. On a regular basis, we're looking oh, yeah. at three hours. Yeah. And you'd sit there and go, what the fuck? Did you have to do the same thing? You were Absol- doing it. Absolutely. You were doing it, right? Yeah. yeah. How do you, would- you knock it out by eight o'clock, everything you're going to do the next day? Yeah. And there, there would always be something that happened, obviously. Like if it, you know, never yeah. do, do you see the end of a Padre game. Nope. So the first thing you do when you get up is either you're looking, well, now you're looking at your phone or, or whatever. But when the three of us were together or, or when I was doing it with uh, Judd and Ben, you you get home, take a little nap, do some stuff yep. around the house, and then you start, it starts creeping in. It never turns in. off, yeah. It never turns off. Okay, yeah. what, uh, what are we going to do tomorrow? And I, I, Dave, to this day, whatever, what you told me, what you say when people come up and say, "Oh, I could do that." Yeah, three hours a day. Yeah, I, I and you. What do you say? You totally could. Yeah, could you come do back it the next the, day? Yeah, show up the next yeah. day and do it again. Yeah, so. that's much better than the story I told. I I've said to this Mike, and I'm not sure if I shared this with you, but I was out uh, when Dave and I had started at KFMB, and you guys know I I can't drink for shit, so two beers and I'm fucking wasted, and. uh I'm there, and it's me and my roommate, Laura, and then two other friends there, and this guy. We had just started doing nights, and this guy goes, yeah, I could do what you could do. 
And I said, no, you couldn't. And he goes, why is that? And I said, because KFMB is a 50,000-watt station. There's four people here, and you're boring the fuck out of us. <laughs> and I got kicked so hard in the leg. Ow! Ow! It's the... Uh, <laughs> but, Mike, I want to... Mike, I was driving around. I, I mentioned this the other day. And I, I feel like... And, and you grew up here. Yeah. And I, I would think you and I are probably the same way. And, Dave, you know where I'm at on this. Having the opportunity to work at KFMB, uh, with instead of 690, 1090, wherever else we've been. Yeah. Having the opportunity to work at KFMB, growing up in this town, knowing what B100 meant, knowing what 760 meant, yeah. was pretty special, especially for all of us that were young guys going in. And, and it's amazing. Every now and then that Facebook picture will show up. And it's the it's the crew at at Star one hundred point seven, and yeah, it's you, promotions. it's Papani, yep, it's Bino, it's Jen Sewell, B Dub is yeah. in that group. Yeah, tell us about what got you in. What what was it radio wise that made you said I I want to do it and <clears throat> and take us back to who helped you because in this industry it is who you know yep. more than anything. How did you end up there? And for you, as a kid who grew up here, what did it mean to be able to go there and be part of a station that, by the way, Mike, was incredibly hot at that time oh, with Lord. everything going on? White hot. Tracy Johnson, yeah. Tom Jeardrum, Bob Bollinger. Sniffer, and the guys. Yeah. all those guys. Um, I was Joe Spivak. And Joe Spivak probably doesn't mean anything to a lot of people listening, maybe you either. Um, but he was uh, a journalism professor at San Diego State. Mm. And I was all set. I was set, and I told my dad, I'm going to go get a job at Disneyland. I'm going to be one of the guys on the Jungle Cruise, and that's what I want to do. I want to work for the Disney company. And my dad's all, just graduate. I don't give a shit what you do. Just graduate. So I'm roaming the halls one, uh, halls one day at San Diego State, and Mr. Spivak comes up to me, and he goes, um, I was going over your transcripts for graduation, and you haven't fulfilled your internship requirement. And this is after having interned for Laz. I mean, done it for the experience. Never, sure. never getting the credit. At 39? 30, yeah, at, 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 yeah, at 39 when they were still up in Kearney Mesa. Yeah. So he said, I said, well, can we just do it retroactively? I've had like four internships. He goes, no. But here, there's a new station that just opened up. It's called Star 100.7. Mm-hmm. They're looking for interns in the promotions department. I said, what the hell is promotions? He goes, you hand out a bunch of shit on the weekends, <laughs> T-shirts and stuff like that. And, and he goes, just go <clears throat> do it and get your get your uh, your the credit for it, the one unit credit so you can you can graduate. So I called up Kelly Prosser, yeah. who was promotion director at the time before Kim Leeds. And I said, listen, I'm, you know, blah, 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 blah. She goes, yeah, come on in, come on in, it'd be great. I didn't even go in with a resume. I, didn't, I don't think I dressed up. I was just pissed that I had to go do this. Mm-hmm. So then I did the obligatory callback the next day. Hey, I just wanted to say thank you. She goes, oh, my God, we, we loved you. You know, when can you start? Can you be here Saturday? So I started by handing out crap at a – it was an Albertsons in the South Bay. That was my very first promotions event ever. When is that? 95? Were you there in 95? Yeah, it's 95. Yeah, right when I got in there. So I do the promotion thing, and then I graduate, and then they, uh, they said, okay, well, we want to hire you full time. And then – you know, Matt and Smiley and Kim yeah, Matt were McWhorter. still there before uh, Jeff and Jer came over. Right. And we got the um, the Charger rights. Yeah. So Eddie and B-Dub and I were doing the FM 
pregame right. show while you guys were in. I yeah. think Halda was with you, wasn't yeah. he? Doing the the, <laughs> yeah. the the real football pregame show. No, it was fun. Yeah, it was. We, it was we totally thought it great. was cool. Hey, we're, it's like, hey, we're going to uh, give you the keys to uh, what the Chargers have to do. But first, here's Third Eye Blind on Star. <laughs> that's kind of yeah. you know, what it's Where is Mark like. Halda today? I have no idea. Coaching at Palomar. Is he still is he coaching really? at Palomar? Yeah, he's coaching at Palomar. Wow. So that's how I got my foot in the door. And then they got, the again, the Charger broadcast rights. And then just kind of one thing led to another. And Matt and those guys got blown out for Jeff and Jer. And then I went up to Santa Barbara and did a, a yeah. year of morning radio with Matt. At K-Tide, which was a clear channel station, got blown out there, came home, mm-hmm. and just walked down to Pacific Highway, and Bill Pugh was there. And I, my resume on my cassette, yeah. and my written resume, I handed it to him, and we were just shooting the shit, and we were talking, and about an hour and a half in the conversation, he brings down the general manager and says, hey, this is Mike Costa. He's going to start tomorrow. Wow. Wow. And I, I was like, I am? He goes, yeah, can you be here at 6? Doing what? Updates. On which show? Uh, at this time, it was God. Was Salisbury still in the? Oh, with with John? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. And Crystal and Julie were they there? Yeah, I think, or they were. They had just left, so I did that. Okay. And then I did updates through the Rome show, and then on six ninety. On six ninety. Got right, it. Six ninety. Wow. And then that that had that just ping bonged to everything. And then, as you guys know, it just became a matter of who do you know who can who can help you at that type of thing. So, long story short, that's how I got into radio. Ass backwards. When did you know you? When did you know, Mike? I think for all of us, there's probably a point where you're like, I can do this, right? I can do this for you. Do you can you look back? I mean, Bud, when you look at what you've done, Mike, for those. 25 years, yeah, a lot of fun stuff, sidelines yeah. and all kinds of fun stuff. But but can you look back? Is there a point when you go, yeah, I can I can hang here, I can do this. I think it was um, it was the first year in, in Santa Barbara where I was kind of I was the third wheel, yeah, and I could be you know Johnny Chuckles and and say the off color stuff and because and you weren't home, like that. you're out of your safety zone, right? Nobody's Pretty, checking you totally, and then. You get, you know, you get the rare opportunity either to fill in or something like that. And you, you guys know what it is. Once you hit that groove mm-hmm. where you're not, you're not um, completely freaked out by this, the microphone. Yeah. Or somebody calling in and going, you're an absolute freaking <laughs> idiot. You suck. And you're, when you just, once yeah. you become oblivious to that, I think that's when you're like, okay, if I work at it, it's not just going to come to me. I got to go work for it. Um, so it was probably that that first year in, in Santa Barbara, and that was FM. Yeah, you know, sports as we know is just a completely different animal, type of thing. You know, it's funny you say that. I remember, um, you know, obviously Jeff and I have worked together forever, mm-hmm. but it feels like a, a, there's a rhythm. Just like I'm sure you and Judd felt like you had a rhythm, almost like a dance step. Where oh yeah, everything's you know what he's almost going to say. Like you, yeah. you don't ever step on each other. One of the things that frustrates me in broadcasting is when. People step on each other, and you know there are hand signals. Whether you know you've done shows with two years almost with us, and we knew exactly when someone was going to talk, what direction they were going. It never sounded like someone had asked a question. Then five minutes later, hey, I want to touch back on what you said about the Jets. Where, hey, wait a second, we aren't yeah. talking about the fucking Jets anymore. There's there's a rhythm to it, and so when you talk about how hard is it to do, there's so many different things that go into it that um, I, I don't think the the average not saying we're sitting there doing brain surgery, but the average person doesn't realize that. Hey, there, there's there's something that goes on here, and the, all the good shows have it. 
And yeah. so it takes time. It's not one of those things that happens overnight. No, it, and it, I think rhythm is a great a great way to, to to describe it. And the hand signals and the you know you do shows long enough where you get to the point where you can probably finish the other guy's sentence, but you don't. You let them get their point out, and then you know it just kind of it rolls on from there. I'm with you. To me, interruptive radio to me is is fingernails on a um, yeah. chalkboard. I I don't like. Sports on TV. Even. Yeah, well, that's it, and I, and I don't like turning on a show where it's there. There are some program directors who still say you got to argue every day. You got to argue every day, and you can tell when people are making up the argument where they both really kind of just agree about it. I think generic ever uh, generic arguments that just happen, yeah, are wonderful and beautiful. But this, oh, okay, well, I'll take this side because you're taking that side. Hate it. Yeah, because it people can figure it out. Oh, they t- people are so freaking smart now. Here's a here's one of my favorite Dave Palais stories because it leads into something that you were able to do that I've always been incredibly jealous of, and I want to ask you about it. When Dave and I were at KFMB, he decided uh, within about I think we'd done seven shows, and he thought he'd write Bill Pugh a letter and tell him how we could improve six ninety and how the whole lineup would be better. I sure did. And I appreciate that Dave waited till we had done probably nine hours of talk radio. You were veterans by then. Yeah, and he put my name on the letter, too. Which Bill I, read the letter in the complete wrong tone, fucker. I don't, so, he read it as a, a fuck you letter. It, was it not. sure sounded it like It definitely was not. So, the one Why thing, would I write a fuck you letter? Because we had nine hours. We knew what we were doing. We were trying to get on the number one sports station. At least that's well, what I was trying to do. So, when 690 goes away... And all of a sudden, here comes the launch of 1090. Yeah. We know we have no fucking chance. <laughs> but, Mike, you were part of that. And and listen, we were all part of Extra in 07. I don't look at that because we stole the logo. We were lights out radio. We had a bunch of shit that was wrong. Yeah. But that 1090 coming from scratch, when you look at that, and and you were a part of it. You were a part of it, I believe, right from the launch with Fricky. Yeah, for one year. One year. And I'm going to ask you about another show that you probably had no idea that I remember. I'll get to it in a second. But tell me, Mike, you'd been at KFMB Iconic. You'd gone to Santa Barbara. You mentioned you'd come back to 690. But now you're one of the guys that got the call to be part of this thing that launched. How exciting was it? How nerve-wracking was it? Scary was it? What was the experience? It was was all that. And it was, um, you know, I, I knew of John Fricky, but I'd never done any shows with John Fricky. Yeah. And they, they threw us together there in the the midday. I think we were either like ten. Something like that. Yeah. yeah. And it was I was I'll freely admit, I was completely out of my element. And I, I it was it was just you know, every day they were bringing us in saying, Well you have to do it this way, you gotta do it this way and and you know, Lynch, uh, John Lynch, who owned it, you know, he like ratings immediately. Let's go. Well, you know, why aren't we just killing it here? Not remembering that it takes a little time. But, you know, the first studio, it was, it was tables not as good as these two tables. Yeah, it, right it, by, it, by the Mormon church. By the Mormon church on like the fifth floor. Yeah. And um, it was it was crazy. It was, it was just like, go do it. And I remember... Um, you know how slowly but surely the advertisers would come on board and and things like that. But you were you were just thankful after six ninety blew things up that you had a paycheck. Yeah. And so 
um, it was it was thrilling. You know, you, you got to know the Darren Smiths of the world because Darren soon came over and and Steve Mason and to Billy, Billy to produce right? and and Joe Tatina was there. Mark Klebowski was there. Vaskersian, Matty Vaskersian, Matt had Matt and Mud stayed together, right? It would have been one of the best sports talk shows. No offense to anybody that San Diego had ever seen. Because of that chemistry. They were immediate lightning. and Because Matt didn't take it seriously. And, you know, yeah. mud. Right. And they had fun. And they both could tell baseball stories. And, you know, they were intelligent and quick and fun. If they would have kept those two guys together, it, it, it would have been – it was a sure hit. No problem at all. I remember your first day with us. It was funny because we'd known each other, as Jeff said, for a long time. Yeah. But they paired us together in 2007 at Extra. And so Jeff and I are in one room, and you are in a an update booth. Yeah. The, so we uh, can see you through the glass. Yeah. yeah. And first thing, you, you said two things to a second one I'm not going to mention on there. <laughs> but you're 100% <laughs> fucking right. It's the craziest thing. It's crazy. Um, the, but the, I remember before we turned the mics on, you said to Jeff and I, you could talk back to us in our yeah. ear. Just let you know, I have an upset stomach, and if I'm not here, I ran to the bathroom. <laughs> and Jeff looks at me and goes, what's the deal with this fucking guy? <laughs> no. I, I, I have said this. All the time. <laughs> I have said this a thousand times about Mike. It's the thing that I love the most about who you are, and I want to ask you where it came from, because it'll circle back to the chat thing. The thing that's amazing to me that you could be Chet is I have never in my entire time in this dopey industry met anybody nearly as fearless as you. You are absolutely fearless when that mic goes on. You will do anything for, for the bit. Yeah. And that's, but I mean, Mike, we would say. Even if you're the punchline to the bit. But it, but I hope you never felt that way. Never. because Because it was so goddamn funny that we could just say. When you would go see Mamma Mia, and you would come back from seeing Mamma Mia, and you knew all these ABBA songs, oh yeah, and you went full voice. <laughs> you were in. You would go it, and I'm sorry. I hear other guys try to do it, and it's too, it's too like they they still have their guard up, right? Yeah. They still have their elbow against the ribs. You were like, fuck it, I'm all in. Where did you find that? Because I, if you were Chet when you were 20, oh yeah. How do you become that guy that just goes, I don't give a shit. I'm all in. Because you you have to. Because, well, here's two things. Three people, you, Dave, and Yaya, Danny Simmons, yes. were depending on me that were, however small an amount of, of input or uh, degree of involvement in the show I was going to have, it better be the best that I had that day. Or I wasn't going to be doing it that long, and there was, there was also a paycheck riding on it as sure. well. So they didn't just you know bring me in there to sit there and go, yep, yeah, 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 yeah. So it just it just became this point where I said to myself, I got a beautiful wife, I've uh, or fiance at the time. Tofu wasn't born yet. I've I know people love me, and I don't care anymore. If someone calls in or, God, at this point, emails in or writes in and says, you're a dick or you suck or whatever. I just didn't care anymore. I really didn't care. And once you let those shackles go, yeah, forget it. You're flying. Yeah. And and I did you? I don't know if you guys have read any of Howard Stern's books. Yes. But his, yes. What was his first one? Miss America? No, it's the second one. Uh, private, private Parts. parts. Private Parts. Uh, 
he tells a, a great story in the book of his producer, Baba Bui, Gary Delabate, who mm-hmm. he just hammered one day. And after the show, Gary's mother called up Howard and said, why, why do you do this to my boy? You know, blah, blah, yeah. blah, blah, blah. So Gary got wind of it, and he freaked out on his mom, and he ran into Howard's office, and he said, you fucking hammer me harder tomorrow than you hammer me today. And the day after that, you hammer me even harder. He yeah. goes, it's good for the show, and I don't take it personal. And not saying that you guys were hammering me and making fun of me and stuff like that, but it, it check your emotion. Yeah. Ego's at the door. Show first. Yeah. That's the way I've always felt. That's actually the, the first thing you said to us before we turned the mics on when we got together when we said we're going to do a show together in 2007. That's exactly what you said. And you said, I'll have your back. You have my back. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that, that was it. I, you know, it's funny. The biggest regret I have of the, the shows we did from 2007 to 2000 and 2008 was that on Fridays or whatever day, we didn't pick a day to let you sing us out of the breaks oh, of musicals. Right. Because it wasn't just Mama Mia. You knew all the musicals. Yeah. Everything. Yeah. And I was like, fuck, how's this guy? Fuck the music. Mike should be singing us out of every break. <laughs> I, I think, and, and I think all three of us felt it. I think all three of us felt an immense amount of pressure that you just, we, we, we just said it. The guard was up every day sure. and, and David Shirley wasn't anything about Mike. We were just trying to find our way. I think that's what it was as a radio station, as a show for everybody, which Mike leads this. The program director of that station was Brian Wilson. Brian had been our producer and I was going to bring up the show that you guys did at night on 1090. Overtime. Which gets forgotten. I swear to God, Thank the God. bit that you got, no, the bit you guys did where you would interview Al Davis <laughs> was the funniest fucking unheard bit. And I have told you that. I go, I don't know if I was the only guy listening. I couldn't breathe. It was so goddamn great. We, but, but it was incredibly tough for Brian. I yeah. know it was. Because Brian had to be the boss. We were all trying to respect him as the boss. But he is our former producer. He's the guy that when we got fired at KFMB, he takes his shirt off and pushes all the media guards, our media guides off the shelf and tells Jason Fisk, there's no show, Jason. We just got fired today, okay? And, and you had worked with him. And I wonder... You had worked for Bill Pugh. You had worked for Tracy Johnson. You had worked. I'm not sure who your PD was in Santa Barbara, but that's a different. Keith Royer, a.k.a. Buzzkill. But go on. Yeah. (laughs) But all these different guys that you're listening to. And now here's the guy that you did overtime with. And you're sitting there. Was that a challenge for you? It was a little bit, but um, I think it was somebody in the gaudy crime family when Paul Castellano... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> made made uh, Tommy Bellotti the underboss and not uh, this other guy. And his, his, you know, John Gotti's all that motherfucker. I can't believe he did this to you, blah, blah, blah. And the guy said to him, no, the boss is the boss. Like it. Yeah. This like thing it. of ours, the boss is the boss. And Brian, at the time, was the boss. And yeah. just out of respect and maybe kind of thinking, well, if I'm ever in that position, yeah. <laughs> Right, wiping the forehead, wiping the sweat. Yeah, um, he was under a lot. It, it, yeah, it, it, and it, they and they put him in an, an untenable situation. Right. It's like go freaking rain in that zoo. Good luck. Yeah, good luck. And and you know he'd come in and say stuff and walk out. We 
totally rat fuck him, you know, right to his back. You did. But um, you did. Yeah, you said. we all did. <laughs> you did. Yeah. But it was, you know, it was, it was that was that was the situation you were in. And again, the the way the pecking order played out, yeah. he was ahead of me or ahead of us, and you treat him with that respect. You know, yeah. at the same time, I think Brian would have rather been on there. Uh-huh. Yeah, he would have. I oh mean, yeah, he, he wasn't allowed to be in the party. He hated yeah. to be the bad guy. Yeah, yeah, still does. Yeah, I think so because you know there's like anything, and especially in sports talk radio, that freaking studios it's or the the news the sports room where you're prepping that's the that's the locker yeah. room. Yeah, and the head coach does not spend every single waking no. moment in the locker room. They come in and then they leave, and when they leave is when all the shits and funs and shenanigans and stuff goes on. That I I. I I can understand him going, shit, I want to be on the air. Yeah, this is this is inside, but fuck, man, this makes me laugh. When Jeff and I were at KFMB and he was our producer, we were going to allow him to do sports updates. And Mark Grant was booked for a show. And so, well. We let Brian do an update. Sorry, yeah. Dave. We let Brian do an update, and unfortunately, Dub struggled through it. <laughs> and Mud was on hold, and we bring Mud on the show. He goes, my God, what was that? <laughs> Dude. <laughs> And Wilson's like, when he's doing it, he talks so fucking fast. He stumbled over everything. Lost And then page. he's like, how was that? My dad was listening. And we're like, JD. Jesus Christ. Like, neither one of us make an eye contact with him. And he's as close to us as you are right now to us. And we're and like. We're like ah. Well, we loved him. And we're like, hey, you, we'll get you. Yeah. Just hey, let's go bit. to Mark Grant. My God, what was that? <laughs> <laughs> Devastated him. Okay. Mike just said that he was in the fishbowl. And this is where Mike this is where Mike set up. Now the extra 1360 studio oh boy. was incredibly small. Oh, it yeah. was incredibly small. And the engineering staff made a decision that in this seven by seven room, we're gonna put nine fucking fifty inch TVs so that there is zero room to move around. Surprised they didn't try to put a pool table. In God, no kidding. <laughs> well, trying, trying to move around or trying to have a guest in studio was insane. And all of a sudden, we find out booked on the show. My God, it's Mary Tillman. It's the mother of Pat Tillman, and she's coming in because she's got a brand new book out called Boots on the Ground. And we are all we are all looking forward to this interview. And all of a sudden, Mary Tillman. My God, she couldn't have been nicer. Concerning what she had been through, and we're walking her into the studio, and all of a sudden I do a double take because over my left my left shoulder, here comes Mike Costa. Mike is determined that today's the day he's out of the bubble. He we didn't even know how to turn the mic on where he was sitting. We had never turned it on, and Mike comes in. I think we had to share. We probably did. We might have. Mike comes in, and. and Mary's here. And so we're working around just like we always did. So Mary's back, though, is to the door. Then I'm No. Too. Yes. David went, it went like this. Mike, remind me. Dave, me, Mike, Mary. Yeah, thought, Mary, no. I, I thought Mary was right next to me. No, no. The, the woman She's she was right. with, her publicist, I think, was your, your yes. left. There yes. was somebody with her to your left. Mary's here. Because I know there's someone blocking the door. Well, Mike, so hang on. We'll get there. We're getting too far ahead. So Mike comes in, and now he's outside of the bubble, and he is in the clown car with us. Well, now it's the Dave, Jeff, and Mike show. Which is fine. <laughs> but you're in, and we're, we're talking to Mary about Pat, the whole thing. Fuck. And Fuck. 
My sons, Jack and Kate, are less than six months old at this time. Tof in 97 four. is how old? Tof's four? In no, in 2007. Tof is yeah, five. Yeah, 2007. He said but 97, I, I thought. Oh, no, 2007. Yeah, so, so, oh, two, so he's five. He's five. Yeah, this might be first part of 2008. And what are, what are Josh and Jake at this time? 14 and nine. Oh, okay, well, it, we yeah. have sons. Yeah, that's yes, so we, we have made that sons. clear to her. Yep. So, Mike, I'm going to walk you back through it because I remember it well. As you are to my right, you say to Mary, you know, the three guys in this room have sons, and you locked up. You got emotional. That's all you got out, and you started crying. And now you've (laughs) determined that you no longer want to be in the clown car. (laughs) You've determined with about nine minutes to go in this segment that you're going (laughs) to gently show yourself out. But in this fucking studio where you are now in you have to get up as a big guy and you have to squeeze behind mary tillman's chair try not to knock down the 50 inch tvs that are up on the wall you have maybe i you look like the guy on that movie the wire the guy who walked between the two world trade centers mike i don't know if you remember that day i remember it like it was yesterday and i remember i remember you know, Mary, I remember saying what I said, and then the love starts in my throat, and I start crying. And Je- and then I just kind of get up, and I give you guys like, yeah, give us, I'm out. You give us the out sign. You did. You shook it up. And Jeff very quietly goes, okay, well, obviously Mike's having a little, uh, just a little problem getting that question out. We'll just move on. Dude, so, we, so we went in order, though. We would go like in order of, of yeah. me, Jeff, Mike, yes. back to me. But as soon as you were out, I'm like, fuck. <laughs> What am I going to say? Because we want to watch you leave. Yeah. We want to watch you try to squeeze out of here because we're sick. But now we have to try to do this interview. <laughs> so, so you go on doing the interview. Where are you now? In the I, hallway tried, crying? I'm in the hallway. <laughs> I compose myself. Did you go back in the tank? And I come back in. And he gave and us the sit. sign. I'm okay. I'm good. Yeah, that was I'm it. Good. I'm good. That's what he did. <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. I'm did good. you squeeze back over to where yes. you were? Yes. Oh, my God. So I love you. I do the reverse <laughs> coming back in. The question carousel is continuing. It gets to me. Yeah. And I love <laughs> oh, no. I think you only got Mary out. Not even the start of a question. Mary, boom. And here it goes again. <laughs> and here it goes again. <laughs> Tap out. Sorry, sorry. I didn't remember you tapped out twice. Yes. And Jeff, and Jeff again. Well, obviously, it's a very emotional topic. I didn't know there was a second time. But I swear to God, Mary told me, like, what the fuck? So, like, she was like, mouth to us, like, what the fuck? And I, and she and, did not. Oh. She was so sweet. And this, this is not she laughing did. at. at Mary Tillman oh or the my Pat God, Tillman no. story at all. Oh, this God, is no. You're the, feeling for The freaking idiot. As a dad who me. loves yeah. our sons. Yeah, and no. it, I just I just remember. She <laughs> gave you a hug at the end of the she interview. Did. She did. I, when I came back in, obviously for the photo. Um, <laughs> <laughs> to get my free book. We did. She goes, she goes, like, she goes, listen. It, you know, it happens all the time, and, and I, you know, I'm like twice in an interview. I don't know. But, uh, God uh, damn, Jeff. That, I, um, well, Mike's obviously <laughs> having a hard time. <laughs> well, with that, I think that's 2008. I'm going to guess that. Oh. So that's 13 years. 
And God how many it. poor times has Mike in a group text seen the following? Hey, Mary Tillman wants to know if you got your fucking shit together. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Was, I, I just want to ask you guys, because we talk about that. Mike, I'm glad you mentioned that. The, the three of us have said, and I have said to you guys repeatedly, there are three guys for me, because we were doing morning radio. Jack and Kate were in the NICU. Oh, God. It was insane. I was getting no sleep and freaking out. And honestly, the three guys who got me through that were Dave, Mike, and Chainsaw. Yeah. You guys were the three guys because I was like, you fuckers told me that I was going to love this and this is shit. And how many laps we did around that building with you three guys. Well, but- remember, I still remember that day where you didn't know if you were going to end up with sons. Yeah. That, that I, was the first day on there. Our first. Yeah, we didn't know. Well, no. You. They were born 10 days before we went on the air. They were born November 2nd. We went on right before your birthday. We didn't know because we were in meetings getting the show together if they were going to make it through the night. That's that's what it was. October 30th. Okay, yeah. And we're 10 days out from going on. Okay. Um, But but the one thing we don't talk about, Mike, I'm glad you mentioned that. And Dave, this for you too. And, and sadly, Dave, unfortunately, you can relate now. Mike, I was thinking about that driving down the last time we were all here in this room. Yep. We we loved Pat Tillman, right? Pat Tillman yeah. was the guy that I think we would all three agree. We remembered at Arizona State. We all remembered what he did in the NFL. We're all guys that are very proud of San Diego and 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 what he did after nine sure. eleven. But when you Mike, when you look back and and we've talked about different guests and we'll bring others up, but man, oh man, the way she was, the picture of class, the way she talked about her son. With not a sense of frustration, she didn't blame anybody. No, right? Isn't she? I don't know, Dave. For you, Mike, I'll ask you both. When you look back at twenty-five years in this, when you go, okay, here's the wall, Mike, and we're going to put up your Hall of Fame of people we've had the chance to meet. Yeah, I would think she's got to be oh, front and center for all of us. An absolute rock is is. I regularly tell my wife, I I fully understand why women outlive men for so many different reasons and to have to go through the loss of your your child and and obviously Dave you're sitting at the table with us and it's it's across you and your family are are obviously still bearing and you will always bear for the rest of your life I can't I can't even think in that paradigm I I tell people don't don't, because it's too scary no it is but I just and she's sitting there and you know she's telling this great story of him and he was maybe it's because like Jake, was beloved by so many. Yeah. It wasn't just you and the little Tillman group that had to, I guess, bear the the brunt or the pain from that. There were so many people that's like, hey, here's a shoulder to lean on. You yeah. Know, here's somebody you can you can talk to. Yeah, she's she's up there. Ad, absolutely yeah. just floored me. You know, she said something that stands out to me, and it wasn't on the radio, and it's private, so I'm not going to give details to it. But she said something to us after the interview where she felt like, I know who is responsible. Mm-hmm. Remember? Yeah. And yeah. so, I mean, we aren't going to say it here because she didn't no. say it. But at the same time, when she said it, man, it, it's knocked me, it, you know, still just going, oh, my yeah. God. And this is obviously before Jake, but I'm going, man, to think you know who's responsible for your son's death yep. is is brutal. And it's like... Rita and I are in a situation, and Mike walked in the house and went through the front and saw Rita and saw Josh, and obviously this house is a lot different than the last time Mike was here. 
um, and it will be different forever. So yeah. for for us, we know who is responsible for Jake. I mean, mm-hmm. we're still in court trying to finish this out because yeah. of COVID, things have been pushed back. But we want closure to that part. Hopefully, sure. that that takes some kind of um, you know, I, I guess weight off of us, even though it probably won't. But to be honest with you, what I'm looking forward to is talking to the guy in court who, from what I understand, doesn't give a shit that that basically he killed my kid. And so, but I do want him to hear my voice. And I know I'm going to be the one that speaks for the family because my wife won't be able to. Yeah. But I need to get it out. You know, I need to go to court and address this guy when he no, says to I, go. No, I, I completely respect that and understand it. And Mary I, Toma didn't get that. Isn't going to get that opportunity. <clears throat> she didn't. No, she. She unless something has happened between then and now. If if yeah. you know something was ever uh, was ever done to it, but yeah, she was. She was. She was one of those interviews that uh, that forever. rocked my world for for a good reason. You know, so a, a sign of incredible strength in, yeah. in the midst of those uh, that time. One one that probably would go up on the wall too. Unfortunately, due to circumstances, uh, we can't put him there. Is great college coach Lou Holtz. <laughs> I knew and it. I'm, I'm coming back to me, you fuckers. And I'm just wondering, Mike, if you remember the day we were at Extra. And I don't know. I don't know in our 25-year friendship when you and I were more ready to fucking hit Dave in the face than we were on this particular day. The great Danny Simmons, who we love, yeah, yeah. Yeah. booked, booked Lou Holtz. Hey, Danny, I slept with your girlfriend. Is that cool? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay, thanks. Uh, thanks, Hurley. <laughs> and he booked Lou Holtz. Yep. Mike, we're all we're all football fans. Boy, oh. it was tough for me because he left the Gophers high and dry to go to Notre Dame. Yep. Mm-hmm. But I, I persevered, and we were able to get through that interview. And that interview really would have been one that I would have liked to have on the demo if Dave didn't ruin it. Mike, what do you remember about that interview with Lou Holtz? I remember that you would ask a great question. And, and Lou and, would start and talking. The, and Lou would start talking, and it was beautiful. And then I would ask a, either a follow-up or another great question, and it was it was perfect. And he was yeah. great, and he was having a good time. And then Dave would start asking a question, and either Lou's phone would screw up. No, Dave's no, headphones. My headphones out. broke. Dave's my headphones broke. I, could, I thought Lou was done talking because I couldn't hear anymore. <laughs> so Dave, Dave, Dave would be like, "Yeah, okay, Lou." Blah blah blah. And, and it every was, interview, it was smashing or every question. Yeah, it was smashing up against Lou's uh, comment from the question before. Yeah, and, and finally, Dave, like- you just hear him go, "Damn it, my head's." <laughs> And Lou always had a punchline. He was great, and I never let him get the punchline. <laughs> you mean we're we're trying to interview Lou Holtz and trying to punch Dave in the face? Yeah. What the fuck are you doing? That's what they're doing. They're yelling, Shut "What up. the fuck?" Jeff's fuck. Sc- Jeff was like screaming at me in the studio, turning my mic off. Lou Holtz is here. Off. What the fuck are you doing? <laughs> Jesus, Lou. You know when you look back and so hey. Everywhere I turned, it was a nightmare. <laughs> Jeff's screaming at me from a foot away, and I look up at the glass, and Mike's, what the fuck? What the fuck are you doing? <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> I, just, I just remember him, us <laughs> wanting to kill him, and then as soon as we went to break, he just exploded. My headphones. My headphones. And you fuckers aren't doing anything to help the cause. And I'm sitting there, and you're not giving me any sort of cues and stuff. And Jeff, no, and, I, you, Jeff, Jeff and I and, and Danny are looking at each other going, I, we thought we did great with Danny. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly <laughs> what you did. I have no problem with that. 
Yeah, it would it would have been in the Hall of Fame yeah. had it not been Dude. those three or four minutes. No, it's just- funny. <laughs> four hours ago, I used a Lou Holtz line, dude. And when I was coaching, I was there's a kid that was extremely slow, and I used Lou Holtz line, son. If you race a pregnant woman, you'd finish third. <laughs> <laughs> Lou always had a good line. <laughs> Fuck, I wish oh. I heard it. Oh, <laughs> we were so excited. Oh, Mike, Lou Holtz. There. I will I will tell you this one because you, we, we all have them, right? You, there is no script. And and Darren Smith told me something about this business. It's one of my favorite things he ever said. Uh, we were out drinking one night, and and it, and I said, why do we fucking put up with this? And, and Darren summed it up beautifully. He goes, dude, this is why we do it. He said, when the music starts playing and your thumb's over that red button, and we all do the same thing. We all look over our shoulder. <coughs> He clear up or do whatever, and he goes, "Dude, it's that, it's that second between that, and when you hit that red button, and you don't know what's going to happen. It's that adrenaline that you yeah. can't find. So when you do it, there have been times where you just completely lock up. This is my favorite one. Dave and I were at KFMB. <laughs> we were talking Angel Baseball with the beat writer Mike DiGiovanna. Mike, I could not say his name on the radio to the point that when we were resetting, I made him reintroduce himself. <laughs> Mike, I can't say your name. Tell people who you are. I'm Mike DiGiovanna from, from the LA Times. And I'm just wondering, do you have any of those moments where you look back? I mean, we tease you about Mary Tillman, but do you have oh. any of those moments where you look back and you go, holy shit. I could not get out of the zone I was in, and it wasn't a good one. Um, unfortunately, it happened with great regularity. You would be, <laughs> you would, you know, you'd be, you'd have the person on, and either you would start looking towards, okay, what do I have to tease, or what do yeah. I have to say coming out, or going into the break, or or stuff like that. This happened with regularity when we were doing the the broadcast from Chargers Park during oh, yeah. training camp. <clears throat> and God loves Ston and Yoff and, and Jamal and, and Jen. And the whole PR staff was just great. But you'd be sitting there, and they would just bring a guy oh, shit. to sit down yeah. in the chair. And there's no – you're like, oh, hey, well, joining us right now is uh, – Man, how's camp going so far? Yeah. And you just, you have no idea who Look it at is. their shorts. How's you- camp 77? <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you know, so you you ask that question, you get them talking, and then you turn to Jen or whatever else. It was always an intern. Yeah. Who is this? And yeah. then and then they would slide you the piece of paper. Well, even it's if Philip you- Rivers. <laughs> <laughs> He goes by LT. <laughs> no, Mike's it. right. But then you because the camp's ninety five. Oh my god! And so you would, and then they would say his name, and you're going over that roster of everybody. Yeah. It, but it doesn't say anything about the guy. And if you did your homework the night before, okay, maybe you catch a lucky break and you'd find out. Yeah, the guy played yeah. at Bowling Green or something yeah. like that. But it just spiraled into just the most mundane, ah. superficial. Yeah. Hey, just one day at a time. Grad, you know, seeing the dream come true. Well, good luck to you, knowing there's no the chance. Fuck out Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> I, I hate those. Used to make my blood, my blood run cold. We have, uh, we have a great memory of you out there at Chargers camp. I wonder if you remember this one. You just mentioned it. I might have forgotten. You would have had the escape. 
But we were sitting down below. It's you, me, and Dave. Norv Turner is the coach of this team. And you felt like you had a very good friendship with Norv to the point that if you, which is amazing to think back on, but we had chatted whether or not Darren Sproles was going to make the team. Do you remember this particular day, Mike? I spent a large portion of the show talking about it. Okay, so now, if you could take us back, we get to a break. Norv's about 15 yards in front of us. He's out on the grass. <laughs> and Mike says, you know what? Fuck it, guys. I said, the guy's the most fearless guy I know. Fucking Mike says, I'm going to go get the answer. Mike goes over for a few minutes. He strides over tall, and he walks back a little shorter. Mike, take people inside the conversation that you had with Norm. Coach, what's going on? He goes, hey, you know. But you got in the football stance, too. <clears throat> That's true. I did arms crossed, kind of legs spread yeah. a little bit. I said, does, does Sproul stand? Does he stand a good chance to make this team this year? And Norm turns to me and goes, who the fuck's saying he's not going to make the team? He's not only going to make the team, but he's going to do fucking great things for us. He goes, are you fucking insane? D-. He goes, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> get the fuck off my grass. He get said, the get the fuck, the fuck off, off my, my grass. grass. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> I you come back, you're like, he's going to make the he's team. He's going to make the team, you guys. <laughs> now, I... I don't know if we'd been just hammering it or it had been oh, yeah. talked about or something like that, but we had him one step away from the right. Turk, cutting him, and he's going to go somewhere else. Right. He was 52 on the roster. Oh, my God. Really bubble guy. You know, you really wish the best for him. <laughs> Get the fuck off my grass. <laughs> oh, my God. One of my favorite moments, Mike. I don't want to turn this into a roast, but I got one, one go more ahead. to explain. Go ahead. Because we know Mike loves football. But the other yeah. sports, you don't give a shit about, really, right? I mean, overall, you shake your head a little bit. You was always you drop a Willie McCovey line at me once in a while. Love <laughs> Willie McCovey. Well, he's not playing this year. Well, and let me just stop one thing, Dave. The pods at that time were, we're not. Shit. Oh, they were, were shit. shit. Yeah, we, but we, for what they've been the last two years, you had fun. But, you know, it was a month but like it, this. Yeah. It was like a February where February is the worst right. month of sports radio trying to do anything. Yep. So Yaya books John Garland, who just left the White Sox for the Angels. Jesus. Remember this, Mike? Oh, <laughs> Remember this, Mike? This is your life. Oh, and, it, it, uh, This is my last rose oh, boy. No, no. This, this And this is this one sticks Does up. It? This is one of those where I drove home going, you fucking idiot. Oh, <laughs> you are so fucking stupid. So the Angels signed Garland. <laughs> and when it comes down to Mike Stern's question. Mike, Mike's what, in the fishbowl. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You're right. He's in the fishbowl. John. What's it going to be like first time pitching in Anaheim? Can you imagine that? Something like that. And he's like, well, I played on the White Sox. I pitched it like 10 fucking times. I know what it's like. And he didn't even like help you out. No. He just like, what the fuck are you talking about? Kind of thing. But the, the way he responded made it funny. It was great. Because he yeah. would not fucking no. just go along with it. Most guys will help you out when they yeah. realize, okay, I'm, I'm being interviewed by an asshole who knows nothing. I'll, I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. He goes, um, probably like pitching there the first 10 times I pitched there as a White Sox. You, you know, and it was like, nothing, Mike, nothing more for me. Mike, Mike, turned, Mike did the move that we all do. He turned the mic off, hands up, I'm out. And we're like, oh, okay. <laughs> and it's, <laughs> Holy shit, you remembered oh, that. Dude, it was so fucking funny. Oh, because you. They, well, all of us have to do interviews we don't oh, want to do. Right. Know? All the time. Yep. We go, oh, fuck. We got to either it's a favor or our producer just did it. Yeah. And then we needed a time filler. Yeah. And we're like, fuck, it's John Garland. It's up the freeway. There's nothing to talk about in February. No. Why not? Yeah. 
Mike, you you drive like I would think. I mean, you were driving the fifteen a lot. Yeah. And I don't know recently the the last time you've been by Qualcomm Stadium. Today. But okay. Oh yeah. So when you see that as a guy who grew up in this town, and, and listen, I don't think any of us have hid the fact that we were all Raider fans, and it was incredibly ironic that Dave and I would be doing pre- and post-game shows, and Mike was on the sideline. But, Mike, I have a picture of you on on my phone, and it's from the first final Charger game, and it's you and Eric Weddle, if you remember this. Yeah, you and sure. Eric Weddle on the field, Yep. and it was insane to be down there. We were all down there, and the yeah. town was torn up. The last one, the next year when everybody just ran off, it was weird. Yeah, it's like, get out of here. But I'm wondering, Mike, for you, as a guy that has grown up in this town, even as a Raider fan, but to be have the benefit of what we had, the chance to be on that field as often as we do. The, the best. For Aztecs, right? For what we did for Aztecs, for Holiday Bowls, for Poinsettia Bowls. But, Mike, I— Super Bowl. I, Yes, yeah. but I circle back to that moment when you're there with Weddle to think about that. When you drive by Qualcomm Stadium and you look over there and you see it, what is it's, it? What runs through your mind right it's now? So much of it, and and you know, just I I know that I, I know that we never took it for granted. I certainly never took it for granted when I'd wake up. <clears throat> excuse me, when you went to bed on a Friday night when the Chargers had a big home game yeah. that Sunday, yeah, you you could feel the electricity. It was, and it, you, that's all people were talking about and stuff like that. Or if it was like a Sunday night or a Monday night game, this place, San Diego's lid was blown off with it, with excitement. I never took it for granted. And when I was driving into the stadium to do uh, the fantasy show, and then, you know, I'd, I'd head up to the booth, mm-hmm. hang out with Josh Lewin, and then, you know, I'd head down to the field about an hour. And I, and I always, I would always pinch myself going, you're, you're walking on the field right now an hour before an NFL game. Yeah, you, you are so freaking lucky. So those memories are not lost to me. I will. I will always have those. But Jeff, you know, you're, you're, you mentioned William McCovey. Yeah. And as a kid, and my dad taking me to Padres photo day. Yeah. When they they let you down on the field, yeah. and there were certain in that grass, in that grass, and you're you're like, oh my god, I'm walking on this field. Yeah. And there's freaking Ken Griffey Senior and George Foster. Yeah. The Reds were in town, and they're warming up, and and Ken Griffey stops and takes a picture, a uh, picture, and and George Foster was a total dick, but he still yeah. took a picture, and and just you know meeting Willie McCovey for the first time. So there's just all of those the the Chargers, the Padres. The Aztecs, and I, I did a top five on our uh, our Bam Slam podcast the other night of the top five best sports moments in San Diego, and I put number one the night that the Chargers came home after they beat the. Were Steelers. you down on the field that night? I, no, I got stuck on the fifteen. I was down there. You okay with Roger Hedgecock of yeah. all people? Seriously, Insane. yeah. No, I was stuck on the fifteen, and the fact the fifteen became a parking lot. Yeah, and people just got out of their cars and were partying and stuff on the side of the road. The 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 feeling in that stadium, Mike, and and I'll ask you the feeling in that stadium because it was a party, and they turned on the scoreboard, the big board, and they showed the bus, and that fucking place erupted and did not stop no. until that bus came down the ramp and they all came out. Yeah, it was the only way they were going to get the people out of there. Yeah. And it was the, uh, it, it, it was, was, it was madness. That picture was on the uh, on the Union Tribune the other day as they recapped the stadium showing Junior and his family. What was the number one play though? From the uh, memories Holy of the... Holy Roller. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's right. Oh yeah, of course. 
For you. I told you it was a factory of misery. Fuck that place. (laughs) (laughs) For you doing that, though, Mike, for Chargers, because you're down there doing sidelines. Yeah. We're doing pre and post game. And the the thing that I did, even though I laughed every time, because I'll never forget being with Rosie the night the Jets won. When and and Crow pushes is it Sean Green? The running back, Sean right? Push Crow pushes him in the back as he goes into the end zone and they, they beat the Chargers. And Rosie and I are doing a post game show with a guy in a Jets jersey next to us screaming. Oh God. Doing his thing. And I said to Rosie, I go Rosie's like, God, this is terrible. I said, no, it's great because we're going to live off of this for the next six months until training camp. For us, Mike, what I I can't speak for Dave, but I just made it about players, whether it was Rodney Harrison during our time at KFNB or Junior or Weddle. I just made it about them. I couldn't give less of a fuck about the team. No. But I like those guys. When you look back at guys that you've dealt with, individual, I'll ask you both, was there somebody that – disappointed you that you wanted to be better than they were? And was there somebody that surprised you with how cool they were? Who were the guys that stood out to you? Uh, uh, well, it, it, I think it starts with Philip Rivers because, yeah, you know, he was always getting pulled in a hundred different directions, but Phil was always really good about, you know, you guys let camp get it underway and I'll get up there to see you one day. So he was good. Gates was great. Mm-hmm. Um, Ladanian to me was always a little standoffish, but yeah. he was, he was at such a, a high point in his career that I could I could kind of uh, see it. I had one situation with Junior where I had to ask uh, I had to ask him to do something for Jagger and Christy. Mm. Uh, Christy, and I walked in the locker room and I waited till he showered and you know sitting by his locker room and he's standing with his back to me and I said, Hey, Junior. Uh, you were just on with with Jagger and Chris this morning, and they were wondering uh, if you wouldn't mind. And I I say I think it was reading a liner or something like that. And he goes no, and I stood there and I went, no, you don't mind, or no, you don't want to do it. He goes, I don't want to do it. Wow. And I was like, okay, cool, you know, no problem. I just yeah. No, you know, so that was one of the few negative things I ever had with with Junior Seau. The 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 most were better. Weddle was awesome. Mm-hmm. Getting to know Nick Hardwick, who I, I I love so much now, and has become such a great friend. Uh, the first time I you know interviewing Nick, you're like Jesus Christ, this behemoth with green arms, yeah. and yeah. and and Marcus McNeil and King Dunlap, and put it this way, there have been far more great guys. Than there have been like the David Bostons of the world, the <laughs> yeah. Lion Leafs, the the yep. real assholes. You're like, you don't even deserve to play football. Yeah, that's uh. It, so here's the deal. A lot of people got really upset when Jeff and I started this podcast up that when we announced we were never Charger fans, we were getting paid. <clears throat> we talked Charger football. It was our job. You were the sideline reporter for the Chargers for years. Everyone knows you're a huge Raider fan, just like we are too. William Shatner never flew a spaceship. It was a fucking <laughs> job. <laughs> <laughs> so the way these games would go so many times mike of course oh is on God. the sideline yeah. and i would i'd have to stand back further for mike because by the time the game was over then they let guys like me who were working for espn go onto the field and then walk up the locker room with the players and do the interviews yeah but you got out as soon as as soon as the game was over and then as soon as the game was in check that the Chargers had lost another one mike would turn to me with his headset on holding the mic and you just take your finger put it right. under your eyeball and just stroke it right down your cheek Thanks here yeah right where here. everybody could see I'm like, you at least 70,000 people could see him absolutely fearless <laughs> laughing but i waited for it and then you'd like high five me on the way yeah. out 
He walked right by me and big high five. He did it to me at that yeah. game that we were down there. If they ever took off my my Charger polo shirt, they would see a white T-shirt. Yeah. And then underneath that was a gray Raider T-shirt. <laughs> yeah. Every single time they played the Raiders. Yeah. And it was, it's just, again, it, it was a job. And we weren't going to go on the air and go, oh, you know, we, we knew our places. You had to promote the team and stuff. But you, you talk about those the, that playoff game against the Jets. Yeah. So I'm working. I'm sideline producing for Westwood One. John Dockery oh, yeah. is the uh, sound reporter. So Howard, our buddy Howard Denneroff sure. says, listen, get here at this time because you and John have to go down and interview Herm Edwards. Herm was with the Jets at the time. Oh, it's another so, great story. Oh, so give <laughs> 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 the kid a shirt. So we're down in the coach's locker room before the game, and John is saying, um, and I remember it was rainy, and John's saying, you know, so Herm, you know, this, this Charger team is, is really good. They're feeling good about themselves. He goes, we're going to beat them. And John looks at that, and, and John goes, can I use it? He goes, yeah, we're going to beat them. She said, they're looking past us. They, they're not, 100%. He goes, we're going to beat them. So sure enough, um, I, I forget, Chad Pennington was the freaking quarterback for the Jets. Yep. Yes. And I want to say it had to have been Kading missing a yeah. – No, either Marty went for it on fourth and short, or Kading missed a field goal. Jets got the ball. They rolled right down the field, kicked the winning field goal. I have never heard the air – leave that stadium faster yeah. than that night. And yeah. then the second time it was when Rex Ryan brought Mark Sanchez in. That yeah. With the Jets. And and I don't know if the Chargers got caught looking ahead or not, but it was one of those things where Is that when Marty gets the unsportsmanlike conduct penalty? Yeah, and I think it was for being out on the field. I think so. Yeah. And yeah. then if, you know the the Patriot game is has been well chronicled about all the gaffes and mistakes. See, but the 14 and 2 team made. But that Rex Ryan game is the game I'm talking about when Rosie and I were down there. Okay. And I think that's Sean Green the running back that runs in and Crow pushes him in the back in the end zone. Yeah. And it just yeah. It it just and, and you know people when people ask as if when, or when people ask if that stadium was built on a sacred burial ground, yeah, and yeah. it's just the gods getting San Diego back for it, there might be something to it because the mistakes, the good times have happened, yeah, but there have yeah. been such disappointing losses in that place. Yeah. Unbelievable. One of the things you had the chance to do, and I thought it was really, really good, is when you left Extra and you went over and you were part of the show on Rock 105. Yeah. And you did that for a while, and it was funny because we know all those guys, mm-hmm. right? Ashley and Sky and Thor and Eddie. I thought you were a really nice fit in there. And and you were there for a while, and then they brought you back to Extra. For you, Mike, that exp- – I mean, listen, they were an established show when you went over there. Even yeah. though you were friends, you had worked with Thor, you'd worked with Eddie forever. Yeah. Ash and Sky, you knew. But that experience going over there and being a part of it – when you went into it, when they pitched it to you, was it something you were excited about? And when during the time when it ended, were you sorry? Or were you ready to come back to oh, yeah, I was, sixty? I was I was shocked when it uh when they told me that, hey, um so and so wants to see you upstairs. When I first started out, I was completely out of my element and I was scared and I was timid and I was because this was I mean, something completely different than a two man show. Sure. And this was four people um, and so I was, I'll freely admit, I was terrible early on. It was, it was like I'd go home going, what the hell am I doing? And then once they flipped Eddie and I, and I, the pressure of having to tease and having to set this right. up and keep things running, once that was gone, I loved it. 
Was that absolutely my, not to interrupt, Mike? How quickly were you in there after Mikey left? Like weeks. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it had been the Mikey show. Okay, so that was the one part of the timeline that I was forgetting. Yeah. So not to replace Mikey. No, and that that was the problem because Mikey did have such a still kind of like a cult following. Sure. It's like, who's this sports guy coming in here to be Mikey? It's like, listen, I ain't, I ain't going to be Mikey. I'm no. Sorry. I'm sorry. It's going to be rough, but I was getting the opportunity, and, and I wasn't about to say no to it, at least give it a shot. Yeah. So that's that's kind of how it happened. How Eddie, long were you there? Were you there a year? Two? Maybe okay. two and a half? See, that's what yeah. I thought. Yeah. And but and that it, it my my all time favorite morning show is the DSC. Yeah. I, I I don't think anyone does it better than Dave Rickards and Chainsaw and that whole crew. And when you listen to a a Dave Shelley and Chainsaw show, it doesn't matter. But just listen to it. How effortless and smooth. Yeah, the easy. science of it. it. It is the science of it, and Dave Rickards has it nailed. Has it nailed down to perfection. He was so incredibly nice to us, and I love, I love the Costa story that he told one day. He said that you guys were on Granite Ridge, and he goes, "Yeah, I made the mistake of kind of just walking by the sports pit." He goes, "Costa doesn't even <laughs> look up and just yells, keep moving.'" <laughs> but uh, he. When when we got blown out a couple of times, yeah. Rickards was nice enough to 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 call and check in. Yep. And then I remember one time he had said something on KGB when we were all at Extra, the three of us. And I said, "Hey, listen, we're over here working. You're trying to get Grandma to say boner." <laughs> and he lost his shit. He told me later, he "Goes, dude, that fucking is so funny." <laughs> Because I played that clip for for days, but they were those guys are really cool, Mike. Super cool. You it just the nicest, um, and I, I consider both Dave and and Shane mentors to me because they were early on so good to me and and you know showed me the ways. And Shane took me to the Olympics in Utah. Oh wow! With them in two thousand and two, and and Dave was always super good about you know you can go into his office and just bend his ear about anything that was going on in radio. So I, I, I have a huge debt of gratitude that I owe them. I want to ask you about Bam. Uh, I just, Dave, I was going to, I'm sorry. I just want to ask, why'd you turn your back on Ryan Lindley at J-Bull? <laughs> okay, listen, you know, Ryan Lindley, San Diego guy, stayed home, played quarterback at San Diego State, yada, yada, yada. Yeah, big whoop. How many times have you had to interview him while you were doing Aztec football? Oh, a million times. So there's a friendship. Oh, yeah. I mean, oh, it's totally not like you didn't know the guy. Oh, yeah. No, Ryan. What a dick. Great guy. Totally what great guy. what did you say that move. night at the, at the Jacques Césaire bowling tournament in Kearney Mesa? Well, when he wanted to be on your team? I, I said something about, you know, I looked at You said no. I said no because I said, ultimately, Ryan, I look at your win-loss record. It ain't up to par. I don't want that on my team, bro. And, and soon so, as he turned his back to you, yeah. you right behind him, you go to Jeff and <laughs> he sucks. <laughs> <laughs> he sucks. He sucks. You can have him. Didn't want him on the yeah. team. One of the nicest guys you will ever come across in your life. I'm like, get the hell off my team. And you guys just kicked our asses. And Hartman wasn't cool about it. No, he wasn't. He took that he brought Tofed. Yeah, yeah. Tof was with me as well. We always say kids are untouchable. Fucking Hartman never heard that before. Went right after Tof, <laughs> went right after Tof the next day. <laughs> Boy, your son's great, said nobody ever. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, tell us about the podcast, Mike. Well, hold on. Before you get to the podcast, let's go okay. Let's go in order real quick. Because yep. 
Jeff, obviously, we've been fired a bunch. All right, we know what it's like. It's never easy. It's never walking out the door where you're going. Everything's you're kind of in a fog, is the way I always say. You kind of in a fog and thinking. Mm-hmm. Almost the first move for me, at least, is always what a huge relief. I don't have to do a show tomorrow. It's so much pressure. As we Get said, sleep in, yeah. you never. You, well, not even the sleep in. The part about putting it together and always thinking. When, even when you're on a weekend, yeah. What am I going to do on Monday? And totally. you never turn your head off. Yeah. And it's, it does become exhausting. And I was saying the toughest thing about doing morning radio, which is where you were with Judd at the end is morning radio people flip into you make them feel better about their day people mm-hmm. have no idea if you're having a bad day they if don't Jeff's care best friend's about to die if i have a son that that's in a bad situation you have to put on an act i mean it's, it's the ultimate yeah. i'm having a good day every day no matter what's going on and that's why they tune into you and it's hard to, to put the basically the the costume on but for you guys it comes to an end and and I, we well, obviously we were talking to you through before everything was closed down because mm-hmm. We had been there. We could see what was happening because they never put you on a big, better signal. There was never that move to 760 that we thought was going to happen. And at the same time, you were stuck talking about things that maybe you knew weren't going to hit with the audience, but there are contract obligations that you have to talk about things that get people to turn the station. Mm-hmm. So when that day comes and they say goodbye to you, what went through your mind? Because you were in that building fucking forever. For yeah. radio, forever. Yeah. yeah. I um, As I still tell everybody to this day, and I'll say it ad nauseum. If that's the worst thing that happens to me, it's still a damn good day. Yeah, yeah. which I, it, it really is is the case. We got off the air, and and it, it wasn't. It's it's not a secret to anybody that a lot of radio entities were just taking it in the shorts because of the because of COVID, and cutting staff and furloughing people and laying people off and and things like that. And uh, my program director, B. Long, who I still consider a great friend. Uh, he called in to uh, Ben Fletcher, who I'm doing the podcast with, and said, hey, as soon as the guys are off the air, I have to talk to him." So I kind of looked at Judd. And How so much like, time was left in the show? Oh, 15 minutes. Oh, okay. So I uh, I thought maybe it's something that we didn't do. Did we not hit on something, or did some of us, one of us say something, mainly me, off color? I didn't know. So as soon, soon as, you know, hey, we'll see you Monday, is still hanging in the air, I call Brian. I go, you know, be long. What's up? And he – he starts to kind of stumble a little bit with what he's saying. And at first I thought something happened to Toph and Meg Mm. and either like the authorities called him or they called the station. So I'm like, dude, what's wrong? And then he starts to explain and, and he tells me, Hey, I've, we've got to let you go. I said, okay. Um, I said, okay. And I mean, I just said it just like this. Um, I need to call my agent because I, you know, I, I still have a contract. And and he goes, yeah. He goes, the, we'll, HR will will contact you and stuff. And he goes, Mike, I'm so sorry. And I said, I'll call you later. No, no big deal. And I hung up. And I looked at Judd and Ben, and I said, I just got laid off. And they were like, what? So Ben just kind of walks off, looking up at the sky, and I start to kind of get my stuff together, in my bag. And Judd's cell phone rings, and it was his call saying, you know. You and Mike, uh, unfortunately, have been have been let go. But it, it you know, I, I it wasn't. I, I guess they're. I, I'm not bitter. I'm not angry. I'm not mad because the decision was made at thirty thousand feet. It wasn't. You know, someone had something out for me, like on a local level or something. I was a victim of of, of circumstance. I was a victim of, if you want to say it, of COVID, of just business not being where it should be. You know, when we left. 
I I was just done with that place at that time. But it was done in January. We left in August. <laughs> no, it wasn't. No, it wasn't January. February I was, uh, at the early, at the latest. No, it when probably around early March when Cheech got sick because Allie, had, my kid's nanny, had died at the end of February. That was bad, and then my buddy got sick March first and was gone May first. But as we were there into June, Mike, the the thing that I tried to do, and I remember saying this, it was so weird, because Dave and I had had lunch with Josh the day before the last day, and he was getting ready to go to Alabama. And I said, do me a favor for somebody that will never get to experience that. Every day you're there, whether you're getting taped, putting that jersey on, putting the helmet on, soak it all in. Enjoy every minute, because in five years, you're going to be doing something much different. And I want to know, as your friend... That you soaked it all in. And literally, I had been doing the same thing every day at iHeart, waiting for it to happen so that I walked in. And we all know that same walk, right, where you come by, whether it's Kim or Mary at the front. You come down and you hit that hall and you make the right. Then you make the left and you're in the studio. I knew it. And I was so at peace with it. And it's cool because the BAM podcast uh, you're able to do it from there. So you're able to go in. But if uh, this is the thing, Mike, that's the biggest question. For me, I'm completely at peace with it, never being in a building again. If you are never in a building again, or do you feel like you could be at peace with it and be very thrilled about an incredible run you had? Oh, my God, yeah. And to be able to do it as long as I did in San Diego, where it's just that is is not the norm. I'm I'm very blessed to have that happen in my life. And... As a, as a friend said to me um, after I got let go, he said, you know, rarely are you giving – are you given time in your life to reinvent yourself or to yeah. pivot and, and go do something new? He says it may not be readily apparent right now, but as the months go on and stuff and, and you get farther away from it, um, maybe that's going to happen for you. And, and the podcast is part of it. And so Ben Fletcher and, and our friend Allison Ratzlaff, who mm-hmm. we all love – uh, we all got together and and we said, you know, Ben said, do you want to do a podcast? I'm like, yeah, I'll do a podcast. What the hell? Yeah. Um, and Allison was really looking forward to doing it. And so, you know, Ben, B, Allison, A, M, Mike, Bam. Yeah. So we just came up with the Bam, Bam Slam podcast, you know, Spotify and iTunes and stuff like that. And we're on Twitter at Bam Slam Pod. And we do about an hour. Yeah. Uh, you know, hour, a little over an hour. And, and it's just free form and we're talking and... You, you really have to remind yourself, okay, you're not doing radio. You don't have to do a reset. You don't Isn't have to, that funny? You don't yeah. have to continually introduce yourself. You're not looking as, at the as, clock when right, you have to break. Everybody knows they put the Johnny Cash CD and they know who's singing to them. Yeah. Right? That type of thing. So you're not looking at the clock and, and things like that. And it's been great. You know, we've, we've, uh, we're going to go, we've, I think we've done five episodes so nice. far. We try to bang out two a week. And it's just, it's whatever's going on. And, and we have some great family members from the, the Costa and Richards show that we're touching bases with and stuff so it's it's been a, a are ton you in, of fun which studio are you doing it from? 1360s is it weird uh it was the first time okay going in and you and sit in the same seat no i don't i don't sit in the same seat um and, and i told b long i said listen I'm, I'm not gonna steal toilet paper and stuff like that you can, <laughs> yeah right you know i like that they're doing that for you yeah i, I really do and I they, they really don't great. they don't have to but it's um it's, they don't it's, it's right no i and think it's that's great super nice on their part to to let us uh do it and we'll we'll see where it goes I have one final thing for you. I know we've kept you really late, but this no is worries. great. One of the things that I don't know if people do, and and I was talking about this guy the other day, is Tony Hawk. Yes, yeah. Tony Hawk and the Birdman. Fuck Tony Hawk. 
And for he want, he, because he was one of those guys that said fuck the Chargers. You said fuck the Chargers. You said I did, it but I'm not Tony ago. Hawk. <laughs> You're not. That's right. I'm not. I'm not Mr. San Diego. Like years ago, yeah. when Sirius XM, I think, was really kind of starting to go, you were part of the Tony Hawk show. Yeah. And and it was, tell me about that and that experience of what you guys were doing. And, and because I know Tony Hawk did some really cool things for you, if I remember, he right? He did. Uh, charity autographed uh, skateboards, decks, and stuff. And the watch I'm wearing, Nixon, he turned me on to it. He gave me my first one, walked in the studio one day and just threw a box at me. Cool. He goes, here, dude, yeah. I, I appreciate what you're doing for did me. Did Dave ever do that for you? Nope. No, never. Right. Never. So fuck Dave. No, Pretty fuck much. Tony. He yeah. says okay. it on social media every yeah. day. Yeah. <laughs> and much. I can't respond because I'm a high school baseball coach. You oh, ass. okay. Uh, I've got you by the ball. Did you see oh, what yeah, he offered so to bring down for food today? No. No, I said, that's what you're going to – You were, he said, don't bring anything as we're having chicken wings. And it's a chicken <laughs> wing that looks like a fried dick. So <laughs> so I get a call I get a call one day uh, out of the blue from this guy, um, Gary Schoenwater. I forget what Gary's last name was. And he said, I'm so-and-so. I'm with Sirius. And we're uh, – Tony Hawk's going to start doing a, a, a show on Faction – uh, every Tuesday afternoon from three to four, mm-hmm. and we kind of need you to to you know kind of run it, produce it for him and stuff because he's really never done radio before. And they've built him this big, beautiful studio inside his warehouse in Carlsbad, right? In Carlsbad. So I drive up there that day, and you guys remember Brian Kellison? Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Brian was our was our engineer, and um, they were they were paying us a decent sum to drive yeah. up there every Tuesday and do it, and um, walk into Tony's office, introduce myself. He couldn't have been freaking nicer. And he goes, well, he goes, what do I do? I said, just talk about stuff you want to talk about. Play music you want to play. Yeah. Tell stories. People want to hear about how you got to be the Tony Hawk that's sitting in front of me right now and, and the the stories you have and the stars you meet and things like, even though he's a megastar himself. Yeah. And it just, it kind of, uh, it just, it went on for almost two years and then I had to bug out because uh, I think Hartman and I started doing afternoons yeah. together, and and Brian took it over. But real quickly, from from the Tony Hawk came the Bill Walton um, one more Saturday night show on Sirius. And so Gary gives me a call, and he says, "What do you do on What are you doing on Friday nights?" I said, "Well, um, you know, once the Aztec football season starts, if we're going on the road, I'm yeah, you know, leaving to do sidelines." I said, "What's up?" He goes, "Well, Bill's doing a show every Friday night." every Saturday night from his uh, his home in Balboa Park. And the show's supposed to be three hours, and it's going six and a half, seven <laughs> hours long. <laughs> so he goes, I need you to go in there, and I need you to kind of rein it in a little bit. Yeah. So I said, okay, I'll go check it out the one night. So I go in there one night to his big, beautiful house. In, in with Bal- the teepee. With the teepee in Balboa Park. And they've got this big, giant, looks like a king's, looks like a table you'd see in a castle. Yeah. And all the radio equipment and stuff and and – Bill and I go way back because my parents and his parents were great friends. And the late Rocky Graziano, who was Bill's basketball coach at Blessed Sacrament, was my basketball coach oh, wow. at Blessed Sacrament. So I'd known Bill a while. And he's, you know, so he, he comes in and, and I'm just going to watch it. So he starts the show and, and it, it's going on. I get the four hour mark. I'm okay. I got a pretty idea of what, what's the problem here. And it's, it's the 19, 20, 25 minute long grateful dead songs. 
yeah. that they would play in the middle of the show. So I called Gary and, and I said, this is what you got to do. You got to knock out some of the songs. We can get it to three hours. Bill knows that. So it's it's going to be great. So finally, this is my final thing I'll tell you about the story. We're a couple months uh, about the producing it. We're a couple months into the show. And I walked in one night. And there's a guy just sitting there. I, I don't know who it is. Because like the neighbor would come over. And yeah. Bill would say, hey, my attorney friend Dave. And, and he'd interview Dave on the air. And people oh, like, no one knows who Dave is. <laughs> Dave just brought a really good bottle of wine. So I'm talking with the guy. And, and they're in the midst of a Grateful Dead song. And I will tell you, I hate the Grateful Me Dead. Me too. Yeah. I don't get it. I Me just too. don't freaking get it. Yeah. So the guy's saying, he goes, does Bill always play Grateful Dead songs? I go, yeah. I go, fucking A. Just, <laughs> oh, no. I'm like, Christ almighty. I said, you know, to have to sit here and listen to this shit. And the guy just kind of looks down. I said, what about you? Do you like the Grateful Dead? He goes, well, yeah, I'm, I'm their drummer. Oh, fuck <laughs> me. Mickey. I forget Is it Mickey he, Hart? Mickey <laughs> You fucking guy, Mike. That's the best. That's the best. I was just fuck that's John your Garland lock-up story. Fuck John Garland. That was better. That's oh, your lockup story. That's so. I go. You know. I think I, I I said something quickly like, well, they all suck except for you. You're really doing it. You know. But he goes, no, dude. He goes, it, it's it is what it is. It's an acquired taste. God Holy shit. Dude. Told him that they fucking sucked. <laughs> <laughs> How many millions of dollars later? And I go, yeah, we suck. All right, Mike, so, normally we, when we have a guest, we'd say goodbye. But actually, I okay. want you to stay around because we'll, we'll finish up a couple questions. But we do, do want to talk to you, obviously, off the show a little bit just because uh, just, sure. just our friendship goes so far back. Oh, yeah. So just hang with us for a second here. You but I want to mention Dan Williams. Dan Williams has been great for this show. Again, Dan Williams is the guy to help you get out of debt if you don't have a bunch of Nixon watches or Tony Hawk skateboards and stuff. <laughs> Dan Williams can get you out of debt and also can help you find your first home. Remember, Dan Williams is the guy to talk to about all your financial questions. 858-688-6813, 858-688-6813. And don't forget, as we do this show, it's Wednesday. That means yesterday, Borrow Smart, two-minute Tuesday, understanding your cost of debt. Right there, as far as you can look it up on YouTube, and Dan will give you tips right now to help you out every single Tuesday. We, uh, we don't often read emails, Dave, but we have run, and it says, Hi, guys. Big fan of the show. I recently got a severance payment, and I'm wondering the best way to invest it. Signed, LMC, formerly of Kensington. <laughs> well, L, it's a pleasure to get it. I wouldn't know how to invest it. I had a friend a long time ago tell us that he invested in AOL stock, uh, and that was way back. And I think you know that story, Mike, but if not, I'll tell you off the air. Uh, but I don't know that I would invest in that. But I know this. I was at my former house last night. And the neighbor that I mentioned, who uh, Dan is helping, came out on his patio. And I was walking out with my sons, and he goes, hey. I looked at him, he winked, and goes, I appreciate what you're doing for me. And, cool. man, that's what it's all about. And I'm not doing anything. The only thing I did was make that connection with Dan. But if you have anything going on financially, I can't think of a better guy. And, and I'm thrilled for what he's doing for somebody close to me. 858-688-6813. When you're ready to buy that home or sell the home that you're currently in, make sure you call Brian Curry. He's the number one real estate agent that we know of here in San Diego. He's been doing it more than 20 years. My kid was joking around today on Twitter and said, man, if I only knew a real estate agent between the ages of 27 <laughs> yeah, and 33. 
Because that's what everyone's fucking doing. Why don't you get somebody with experience like Brian Curry? Brian Curry is the guy that knows San Diego County better than anyone else. Again, he's the guy we recommend. Make sure you call Brian Curry, 619-251-1588, 619-251-1588. Well, I'll tell you what, Dave. It's funny. I've been looking at different houses, and then earlier tonight, I heard about a cool house in Normal Heights. It's got a big house, and then it's very weird. It's got a random fucking fence in the backyard, and then it's got a little back house. I thought that's pretty cool. I don't know why I need a fence across the back, but shit, people like doing different things. And I'll tell you the other place I'm going to buy. My son Jack pointed it out to me tonight. Sad news from the world of business. Maybe you heard that the Fries are closing their two stores. There's, I mean, worldwide, they're closing. Is Circuit they're, City still around? Circuit Fuck. City's gone. So is Fred rated at Federated. <laughs> but there is a Fries in San Marcos. I don't know what happens there. But my son Jack determined that we should buy the Fries property right there by Stadium Golf and turn it into the biggest man cave of all time. <laughs> Dad, they probably got speakers and scanners <laughs> and old PlayStations. They, I, I think they sold futons in there, refrigerators. They had the grill back there. I go, you know what? Keep talking. It's the greatest ton of visitor parking. And there's an upstairs. They never let us go up there. That's probably cool. So, yeah, I think I'm going to buy the Fry's property right you. there by the stadium. Congrats. Yeah, thanks, Mike. Way to go. Yeah, I'm excited. So when you guys are invited over, because my son Jack thinks, fuck, he's not wrong. They got everything in that thing. They had coolers. Anybody who's been in there, that place was the greatest guy's store. Big fucking aquarium. I don't know if those fish are still alive. But if I can't get that house that I want normal heights, then I'm going to fucking buy the fries. And you guys come by and visit. You always got a key. Alan Taylor, Taylor May Pools. You're looking for that perfect pool. Look, I'd right like now. one, but I got a big fucking fence in my backyard. <laughs> Taylor May Pools is right there ready for you. The weather's getting warmer every single day. Make sure you call Alan Taylor, 619-449-4452, 619-449-4452. Well, we haven't done a special for a long time, but celebrating Mike's 26 years in radio, Amy called tonight and said, don't do it. I said, you know what this sound is? This is me hanging up the phone. We're celebrating Mike here tonight. The first 26 people that call Alan Taylor with cash in hand we all were lucky enough to see the picture sent to us at Extra of the lovely and talented Vera in a bikini. <laughs> For the first 26 people that call with cash in hand it's, and mention keyword Mike Costa, that pool in your backyard will be cut in the silhouette of Vera in a bikini. Guys, check yourself. I'm telling you, you see it. You'll never be the same. People walk in, they'll go, is that the Vera pool? You think it's not? We're not fucking around here. Call Alan Taylor. Don't let Amy hang up on you. 26 people cash in hand. It's the Vera pool. Believe me, life will never be the same. Be careful of the Jets. <laughs> Kyle Fluke is your guy for that perfect website. If you're looking to build a website or fix the one that you have, make sure you call Kyle Fluger at 619-500-6621. 619-500-6621. You got any website uh, ideas? Well, I, I swear to God, the most addictive website going, unfortunately, for a lot of us in COVID, I got to get eBay off of my phone. I just spent, Mike, like 25 bucks and bought Raider game programs from, baby. from Allegiant Stadium. They're All right. so cool. All right. My sons make fun of me because I spent t- way too much money and got the mini Allegiant Stadium that they gave to the With season. the tickets? With the tickets, oh. the patch, and it, I should have fucking brought it down here. Dude, that's a great buy. 
Uh, unbelievable. There yeah. is so much fun things for whoever your team is. Tatis, right? The Padres. Sure. Chargers, Raiders, whatever it is. And the point being is, how does that apply to you? People are home. People have disposable income now because they haven't gone to movies or concerts. So they're looking for ways to spend it. And a lot of people are having the biggest year in their company's history. If you're not, it could be that your website's not delivering. Call Kyle. Tell him Dave and Jeff sent you. Absolutely. All right, Mike, we played this game. How old are they and how much are they worth? Jeff is the one that usually answers the questions. we got two guys playing oh, February in, 24th. You're going to like this game, Mike. First one starts with uh, with the dead guy. It's Steve Jobs. How old is Steve Jobs? How much is he worth? Oh, Mike, I'll let you go first. Oh, God. Steve Jobs is 67, and he's worth uh, – I'm going to say he's worth $12.3 billion. Wow. Okay, what I'm going to go 69. I'm going to go a little older. I'm going to go 69. God, I would have gone so low on that, Mike. I'm glad you're here because I think you're exactly right. I don't think I lose by going higher. I mean, if, if Steve Ballmer from Microsoft is worth $57 billion, yeah, I'm going to say Steve Jobs from his time at Apple is even higher. I'm going to say $60 billion, Dave. Mike's much closer. He, number one, he's 66 years old. Mike, okay. he barely missed, and $10.2 billion. No kidding. That's would what you, it says. Would you have thought Microsoft, Apple? I mean, I get it. He's no longer with us. Right, I just, I just wonder if like there's like in, per, in perpetuity, if, if yeah. like family members of the Jobs yeah. will, will still get something like that. All right, Floyd Mayweather Jr. I know how old he is. You do, yeah. You want Mike to go first? Go ahead, Mike. Fifty-one. No, he's forty-three. Okay. Forty-four or forty-four today. Oh, okay. Fuck. And how much he is he worth? I think Floyd is worth. Four hundred and eighteen million dollars. I'm gonna go three hundred million. Mike's closer on that one. Five hundred million dollars. Wow. God. Yeah. Do you think he's still there? Like I hope so, right? They said I'm... he made he made over a billion dollars. He's down to five hundred million. Oh my God. Wow. All right. Phil Knight from Nike. Oh. Ooh. Go ahead. All right. I'm gonna go not a looker. <laughs> no. Dude, he isn't. That's where the money comes in handy. Did you ever see Phil Knight and Imus in the same room? Jesus Christ. <laughs> Phil Knight, 78, and uh, I'm going to say, I'm going to go uh, $18 billion. I think Phil Knight just turned 79, Okay, and I think he is worth $27 billion. He's uh, 83 years old, $53.1 billion. God damn. Steve Jobs is like, what? <laughs> All right, here we go. Five ran- or I don't know if it's five today. We got random questions just out okay. of nowhere. All right, what movie can you watch over and over again, and never get tired of it? What do you got, Mike? Uh, Die Hard mm. or The Hunt for Red October. What's the movie you hate to admit that you watch? Although you, you nothing really, anything. nothing oh, bothers shit. you. Shit, um, I love Pride and Prejudice with um, Kira Knightley. <laughs> think, what and do you love I'm, about it? I, it's just it's such a great romantic. Love period love story, yeah. I, Pride and Prejudice, man. I can if it's out, I get vectored into it. and I got to finish watching. Will Meg it. watch it? Oh, she loves it too. Okay. Oh yeah, yeah. Do yeah. you have any movies like that? Because my favorite story in this house is Rita Palais told me a couple of weeks ago that if Notting Hill comes on, oh. Dave freezes it and does the whole speech. I'm just a girl in front of a boy, and Rita has no fucking time for it. She, she thinks it. he's just a clown. I think the last five minutes of the movie might be the greatest five minutes and of the movie she history. she gets so mad. Is Hugh Grant and yeah. uh, Hugh Grant Julia, Roberts. Julia yeah. Roberts. Yeah, She's the actress. And yeah. He's, yeah. He's the the guy bookstore guy. Bookstore. 
Really? You like Notting Hill? I do. Yeah. He he pauses it. She goes, he's done it 70 times. Oh, yeah. She's right. And does the whole speech. She's right. God. Do you have a movie that made you cry? Oh. That you cried during? Oh, my God. Were oh, you there at yeah. KFMB when we did this bit? It was uh, me, Dave, and Horton. There was a movie with Deborah Winger and Sir Anthony Hopkins, and it's called Shadowlands, and it's the story of C.S. Lewis or whoever the author was, and they meet, and they have a friendship, and then they end up falling in love, and then she – you know the kid from the first Jurassic Park, mm-hmm. the little boy who goes flying off the electric fence? Yeah. That kid's the son of Deborah Winger in the movie. Anyhow, at the end of the movie, she dies, and it's Anthony Hopkins and this little boy in the attic, and they're looking at her pictures, and they both just start sobbing, weeping. Wow. We saw the movie out in La Mesa, <laughs> and we're walking out of the theater, and Meg's going, God, what a beautiful movie and stuff. I can't talk. Cause I've been, just, there. I've been I've, there. I've got a lump. <laughs> Dave, and I've Step got Stepmom did the same thing. <laughs> I've got the quiver. Was that with was that with uh, Julie, Julie Roberts, Roberts again? again? Okay, so I'm Susan walking. Sarandon. I'm walking to the car, and I've got the lip going. And we get in the car. Meg says, "Why are you so quiet?" And I just lose it. <laughs> and I sob from La Mesa all the way to Kensington. Just a flood. But are you of- looking at her like, "How am I married to you?" Like that's what I'm looking at my you wife. Like, to- do you have any feelings at all? How am I the only one crying here? <laughs> well, she had motor oil in your face. I freely admit, Meg's got ice in her vagina, but um, no, but uh, you know, she cries at the national anthem. She'll cry at the yeah. drop of a hat. But this was like, oh, what a beautiful story. She really didn't tear up, and I am just <laughs> literally for like twenty minutes on the ride home, just lost it. Shadowlands, and I, I Shadowlands. Oh my god, that movie fucked me up. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that was just like, Dave, holy what's the Christ. movie you could watch? For me, it's Step Brothers because oh, I could so see Step Brothers. I goddamn. Derek, wedding crashers for me. A wedding, I and I've said to you guys, as much as I love wedding crashers, the funniest thing we were saying the other day about DVD players and how nobody gets DVDs. Goddamn, I cannot recommend it enough. Get the wedding crashers DVD and watch the commentary with Vince Vaughn and Owen Wilson as they go through the movie. It is so fucking funny. As they're just pointing shit out that they were doing and little things that they remember behind taking you behind the curtain. Oh my god, Dave and Mike, it is so goddamn. When funny. he grabs what's her name tits upstairs, uh, Jane Seymour. Jane yeah. Seymour. Yeah, call me Kitty Cat. Yeah, <laughs> that was a good scene. You motorboating son of a. Bitch. <laughs> you motorboating son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Would you rather have a brain freeze for ten minutes or that feeling of getting kicked in the nuts for ten minutes? A brain freeze. Oh, brain Think about freeze. it. No. <laughs> no. Have you had a vasectomy? No, I haven't. Yeah. Have Dave you? had one yeah. on the air. Yeah, it was awful. It was, it was, it was awful. That's Did what it feels like. Did your balls hurt, though? Dude, it hurt. It felt like getting kicked in the nuts twice. Because they're like, all right, we, now we got to do the other side. I'm like, what are you fucking talking about? Yeah. Really? Dude, it was a nightmare, man. They gelded him. Yeah. They- <laughs> dude, it was the whole time, dude, Mike, I'm sitting there. All, all I'm thinking in my mind is when I walk in there, I want to walk in there. Nobody knows the fucking show. Yeah. And I don't, and and I don't have a, a female doctor is what I'm thinking. And it's two guys, and they know the show. Oh, and yeah. fucking you smelling smoke, and all of a sudden you hear, "Hey, who do you think is going to be the quarterback? Breeze or Rivers? <laughs> what the fuck? Let's focus on what we're doing." <laughs> we uh, I was dying, dude. Oh, it was terrible. All I want to talk yeah. about was Breeze or Rivers. Which one do you keep? Oh we're, my God. we're doing the show, ESPN 800 show from Dave's house, and yeah. he comes back. I was like, "How you doing?" I'm not bad. I'm okay. Half hour, he's like, God damn, I'll be right back. He just goes and grabs like nine 
frozen, frozen tater tot. Yeah. yeah. For the last hour of the show, he's just laying on the ground. Dude, it was brutal. It was Looked like Michael Hutchins from In Excess at the <laughs> dude, end. My, my, dude, it's true. My kids would come in, turn the ceiling fan on. I go, turn that fucking fan off. Dude, everything hurt. Everything hurt. I uh, brain freeze 10 out of 10 yeah, times. Absolutely. On. I don't like that question. Nut shots No, it's not a good question. It's Look horrible. All right, here you go. Last one. Would you rather go back to the age of five with everything you now know or go back in the future with knowing everything that's going to happen in the future or go into the future, I should say? Well, you're really... What? Would you rather go back to age five, start your life over again, age five, but you know everything that's going to happen? So, I mean, you can talk about investing. You can talk about anything. Oh, shit. Butterfly effect, though, right? Yes, could be. There's that. Or... Go into the future, future and know everything about know, the future. So would you know like the day that you'd expire yes. or everything? Everything. I'm going back to being five. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Oh, I, yeah. Yeah, without a Old doubt. Old school. Think <laughs> yeah. about how many, god damn, I tell Debbie Lucy, don't get in the car. You're the hottest chick ever. <laughs> girl that from West Middle School, the hottest girl, and my sons are like, what's up with Debbie Lucy? I go, you watch how you fucking talk about her. <laughs> when she walked in the room- Angels showed up, all right? You little shit. You yeah, better stop moving. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, okay, I'll tell you, Mike, you'll appreciate this. Uh, Dave, I think I've told this story on the air. Remember, Mike, when Diego's opened a second location in Solana Beach? I, I don't know how much, because if you were going out at that time. It was, more, it was always PB, right? Yeah. But they opened one up right north of Del Mar, which is now, ironically, Solana Beach City Hall hated us. <laughs> And now we're City Hall in the yeah. same building where Diego's was. Bastards. But we're there, and I'm in my early 20s, and we're at this club, and you're drinking and dancing, doing whatever, and there's girls from Minneapolis. And I'm like, like, hey, where are you from? And they're like, Richfield, which is my hometown. And we're somewhat similar in age. And Dave, if I said to you, Mike, if I said to you, tell me the girl in seventh grade that you just look back on and you're like, you just remember, right? Your your Nixon stopped when she walked in the room. Dave, we've talked about it. Yeah, Who Tara is it? Wilson. Tara Wilson. Tara Wilson. Allison like. Mitchell. Really? Okay, it's Debbie Lucy. Yeah. And we're talking about different people. Oh, this person, that person. I said, what happened to Debbie Lucy? They're like, oh my God, she died in a car accident about a year ago. Oh, Jesus. And you go, holy shit. Like, whoa. Right. So I was just saying, but how weird. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, maybe in Facebook. Yeah. This is 20 years before Facebook or anything else. Wow, that's crazy. Tara yeah. Wilson looked like Heather Thomas and Zapped. Like, you knew she wasn't in high school, but you're like, what the fuck? What's so she guess, doing here? Like, it was like a 25-year-old in my seventh grade. God so that's her. the one. That, God bless her. <laughs> yeah, God bless her. So Dave said, you know what I'm going to do that no other guy's doing? I'm going to make her a mixtape, and I'm going to lead off with Jack Wagner, All I Need. I did. How'd that work out? And I used a lot of songs from Chicago 17. <laughs> Oh, fuck, Mike. It didn't work out. She banged my buddy Trevor Watson. Of course she did. (laughs) You never got the holies to holies. Because he started off with docking. It's not love. (laughs) It's true. And you're playing Jack Wagner. You know the sad part is? What a bitch. Let me tell you. I reached out to her on Facebook a couple years ago because we had so many- no, not at all. She's okay. great. But we, uh, we we had so many friends that we had in common that that I was like, I'm going to try and see if she'll be my friend on Facebook. You know, I wish she was, but she wasn't. And guess, so she friends me on Facebook. Then I tell her the story that Jeff and I have talked about her on there, telling this exact same story. Unfriends yeah. me. Fucking gone. Oh, she knew. So I, I, I spooked her. Just she cruel. Did. Yeah. She oh knows you're a fucking weirdo. Yeah, Good she Lord. did. That was disappointing. Oh, my Lord. <laughs> this, was, this was crazy, man. I got to smoke a cigar and dip at the same time during the show. You're welcome. I never get to smoke. You're in the, welcome. In, during yeah. the show. 
You're the absolute greatest. You guys are. You know your family to us, yep. and it's it's. I'm a big believer in kind of changing the mojo. It's sad that the last time the three of us were in this garage together was an incredibly rough night for all of us. Sure. I'm glad, Mike, that we can look back now and go, hey, that was a great night, man. Uh, best of luck with Bam. Thank you guys and, for having me. I got a quick question. Were you told not to do our podcast while you were on there at, at 1360? No, I was I was always given carte blanche to just Were you just afraid we were going to put it. you on the spot and put you in a bad situation? There was there was a little trepidation on that part. but I, Is I, it true I, Hartman played this show very loud in the newsroom, which we've heard? Oh, I don't. Really? That's yeah. what we heard stories that he would play the podcast in the newsroom. I don't remember him doing it. Okay, he, he may have. He may have. I just I don't remember uh, him doing it when I was there. Okay, uh, yeah, but you might have been already to mornings by then. Could be. Yeah, I'll be damned. Who? <laughs> I'll be damned. Shit, I miss. <laughs> How often do you talk to Steve these days? I literally talked to Steve a couple days ago. He's cool. good. Yeah, he's just checking in and making sure everything's fine, and you know, you're doing okay, and things like that. So. I fucking yeah. love that guy. Yeah, he's never you, checked in with me. Really? No. <laughs> you find you you do find out who your friends are. Yeah, in right? situations like this. Yeah. All I know in San Francisco in the Super Bowl, fucking you, Judd and Jeff, fucking ditched me with Hartman. <laughs> <laughs> you guys, he's yours now. You watch him. He <laughs> you, never came back to your kid. You listen to him. Yeah. Uh, Mike, tell people where you are on Twitter. Uh, I'm uh, at the Mike Costa. At You're not still Costa 1090? Yeah. No, yeah. Oh, God. Um, at Costa CW6. No, I'm uh, <laughs> at the Mike Costa on uh, on Twitter. Uh, Facebook is just Mike Costa, and you can find the uh, the podcast at Bam Slam Podcast. You're the best, brother. Stay Thank safe. All the Love best you. to Ben and Allie. Love you too, man. All the best to Tof and Meg. Thanks, Mike. Love you. Sorry.